Welcome to the Family Room, sponsored by Versprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Welcome into the family room. This is Craig Wiesmeyer, and I'm here again, once again, with my co-host, Mari Cleveland and John Gordon. What's going on, guys? Oh, nothing but good stuff. Exactly. You're, you're lucky. <laughs> Some great stuff. You're lucky to be here good. again, right? I heard that in his tune. Did you hear his tune? You are lucky to be here again with us, Craig. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Mari, there's no such thing as luck. I'm blessed to be here oh, with you all. Oh, you're exactly right. Mari's halo is shining in my eyes as we get closer to Christmas time. Um, yeah, great topic again, as we always have, but we have Father John Bartunik, and he's written books on spirituality and how to pray, and he's also written books on spiritual but not religious, and he parses through the difference between spirituality and religion, but yet they're all intertwined with each other. So what do you guys think about the whole concept of I'm spiritual but not religious? I think you want to listen to this podcast because I I won't I won't touch it the way Father John touches it. But I'll tell you this: like there is, if you if you finish this podcast and you don't walk away saying, you know, there's books and there's these books, there's scrambled eggs and there's souffle. We're we're <laughs> we're serving up some souffle here. I'm just saying. I, like I don't it. even I don't even know how to touch that. That's pretty impressive. Don't touch it; it's hot. <laughs> You know, when I think of that, when I think spiritual, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. I'm thinking in some way, this person has been touched by God. Mm. They just might not know they've been touched by God. But when they say spiritual, I think they have. And then when they say, but I'm not religious, that's the part where I think, and they've been injured by man. So they've been touched by God. They may have been injured by man. So how do we help them uh, navigate that? That's kind of what strikes me. And, you know, to navigate that even better, we've got Father John Bartunek with us today. He's written a number of books. We'll be able to delve into two of his books. And before we forget to do this, because we always do, we want to make sure that, you know, links to his books will be on our show notes. And you can access that through going to our website, thequestatlanta.com forward slash the family room. And let's bring Father John Bartunek into the family room. John, would you please open us in prayer? I'd like to do that. Thanks. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we come today with prayers of thanksgiving, gratitude before all else because of the, the awareness that you give us, the incredible gifts. Even in times of difficulty, we, we know that you're present. And so we thank you for that. And, and right now, we just ask you to pour out your blessings on us as as we meet with Father John and as we share uh, with him, we hope that you will help us to understand and give us a gift of wisdom to choose the better part, to do the right things and to understand those things that you would have move in our minds and our hearts so that each thing that we did today and hereafter would draw us closer to you and give greater glory to your name. Father, we ask all these things in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So as you pray, John, you mentioned Father John. We've got Father John Bartunek here in the studio. Mm. Uh, beauty of it is we talk about having local guests. We talk about having national guests. Father's actually both of those. He's local here in Atlanta right now, but he's been all over the country, frankly, been all over the world, giving talks. 
Um, father is a legionary priest. He has been so since um, what, 1993, I think it is. Um, born in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, went a very secular route when I say he studied at Stanford. So um, I kiddingly have said you're, you're one of the more intellectual people I've, I've come to know, which is a blessing for all of us. Uh, but he's written books. He's written books on spirituality called The Better Part. Really delves into... Uh, how to pray and ask the appropriate questions, but has a lot of insight, which I find amazing of what Christ may have said to us through those scriptures, and also written a book called Spiritual, Not Religious, which we're going to dive into all of that mm -hmm. today, which is going to be kind of a unique um, interview. So, Father, welcome into the studio. So good to be here. Thanks for being here. Yes, we're glad to have you. So, first of all, first and foremost, then I do have a little bit of knowledge because I do have a little bit of, a, of an affinity more so for Father now that I know he's a Clevelander, as am I. Um, everybody likes to know, especially from a priest, what was your faith journey like? I mean, you had to have had, you know, saintly parents that said the rosary every day that took you to Mass <laughs> every other hour. What was your upbringing like? Well, that would be a, a typically... Um, holy family, right, which you just <laughs> described. Uh, I would call my family a typically American family. So I was born in 68, and when I was five, my parents were divorced. Mm -hmm. And I went to live with mom, then she got sick, went to live with dad again, me and my two sisters, and then he got married again, got divorced again, and then he gave up on the marriage thing, uh, and he ended up raising the three of us from, from when I was nine, when my mom passed away, until I went off to college. He just raised us by himself. And all that time, we, we never had any faith. We didn't grow up in any kind of church practice or anything like that. Mm. Sports was the closest thing to our religion mm -hmm. because yeah. my dad had been a professional athlete. He oh, was, really? uh, yeah, he played minor league baseball with the Indians at the time, oh, wow. the Cleveland oh, wow. Indians, okay. uh, and for about seven years. And in the off season, he would box professionally to stay in shape and keep food on the table. Wow. wow. So sports was kind of our religion, which, you know, it, it has its plus and minuses. A lot of minuses sometimes if you if you consider, you know, Cleveland isn't always, you know, super victorious in the sporting fields. If you consider that. <laughs> so. But you learn to be a faithful Quite. fan. <laughs> yeah, you learn hope. You, you learn, learn per, you know, perseverance, humility. faithfulness, humility. humility. Yeah. Uh, right. Kind of ironic. But you don't need Chicago big numbers. It's, it's not a math thing. You don't need big numbers. I'm just saying. Uh, we almost had the series. We played the Cubs that one year. I'm oh. not a Cubs fan. Oh, you're not a Cubs fan. No, okay. White Sox. That's okay. anyway. Even worse. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, so I so I, I actually became a Christian when I was fourteen. Mm -hmm. uh, a uh, someone had invited me to to come come to church with them, so I went to a non-denominational church, evangelical church. Really liked it, liked the people, loved the the sermons. They were great. Mm -hmm. The time when I started going there, this is funny. Um, they were auditioning new pastors. Oh, so these guys would come in every week, and they were trying to you know hit grand slams with their so i my first four or five months of preach of hearing people preach was just great stuff i loved it uh, and end up i ended up joining the choir and we did a concert and and we did a little tour and on tours when i just had a moment of grace and everything we'd been singing about and i had been hearing about it just became real and i knew that jesus knew my name and he was saying hey you want to you want to be my friend you want to follow me and i said yeah and so that's when I became a Christian, 14 years old. Okay. And uh, my dad wasn't a man of faith. So when I started, the more I got involved in church, he kind of, um, he started getting involved in my faith journey in the following way. I came home from choir practice uh, freshman year. 
of high school. I, I was in eighth grade when I, when I first became a Christian. Came back from choir practice about eight months later on Sunday, church choir practice, and he was waiting for me in the living room. And he said, as I walked in, he said, oh, here comes John the Baptist. Oh. And he was not smiling. Oh. And he sat me down and he said, I don't want you going to that church anymore. I don't trust those people. I forbid you to go to that church. They're a bunch of fanatics. They're going to brainwash you, do weird things. You cannot go to church anymore. Wow. Wow. It's like a religious crisis. I'm 15 years old. And I remember, I can still picture, I kind of went back into my room and threw myself on on my bed and prayed. I said, Lord, you know, what do you want? I was a big fan of the book of Proverbs at the time. I still am. And in, the, in, in almost every chapter, there's at least one verse that says something like, a wise son heeds his father. Mm, yeah. So my conclu- th- those are the things that came to mind okay. as I was wrestling with this. And I said, okay, well, all right, Lord, I still believe, you know I do, but he's my dad. So I went, so I, I obeyed my dad. I said, okay, dad, you know, that's all right. I, I still believe, but you're my dad. So I kind of became a closet Christian for my high school years until oh. I went off to college Went out to California, pinnacle of civilization, Stanford <laughs> University. That's what I thought at the time, right? It was, the, and I was free to do whatever I wanted. You know those rebellious years. So I started going to church every Sunday. Oh, that's so true. I'm a rebel. I went to church. I'm okay. thinking about our kids who we raised. You know, go to church every Sunday. They go to college and rebel and don't go to I'm church. You are forbidden. Yeah, you I rebel and go to church. It's so yeah, amazing. I'm, I'm how joking. That my works. kids are going to church, but anyway, okay, go ahead. So yeah, so. I, I did. I found a really good uh, college group that was associated with the Presbyterian Church nearby, Menlo Park Presbyterian Church, for anyone who knows the area. Uh, so we would meet for worship during the week and then on Sundays as well. And my, you know, my best friends became uh, people from that group. And, and I was a history major. So uh, and at that point, from both those churches, I got a lot of misinformation about the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. There's just so much right. misunderstanding, yeah. and, you know, the whole history. And, sure. But I was told Catholics weren't even Christians and that we needed to save them. And, you know, the church, the Catholic Church was the whore of Babylon, all kinds of things, you know, right. the typical misinformation. But that was how I thought about Catholics. Yeah. And even those were Presbyterians who said that. That's oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the college students were from all different groups, oh, okay. but it was a very vibrant Presbyterian like college group. Gotcha. So we didn't okay. I, like I never joined the Presbyterian Church. But this college group was okay. one of their ministries. So, um, and it was, I think it's just misinformation. You know, you yeah. just ignorance. Uh, yeah, uh, right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so anyway, so that was my view of the Catholic Church until my sophomore year. Um, there, a thaw began. A little bit of change began in my understanding of Catholicism. Uh, I was a history major, as I said, because I, I just wanted to study everything. I wanted to learn everything. History includes everything. It's like nothing's excluded. You yeah. know? So, and one of the things I really wanted to learn was about all the world religions, because if I could understand all the world religions, I could go convert everybody. Like that, was, <laughs> that was what God put on my heart. So in sophomore year, I couldn't, I, I was really interested in Buddhism, uh, but that semester, that trimester, they didn't have any courses offered. So I went to this professor, this like great professor, Brilliant man, multiple PhDs, spoke maybe eight languages. Wow. You know, really just dedicated to, to, to his students and the life of the mind. And I knew he was an expert in Eastern history. And, and so I said, hey, you know, I want to study Buddhism. I can't, there's no course that fits in my schedule. Could we do a one-on-one? Could we do an Oxford style? Where you give me some books mm-hmm. to read, I read them, then we talk about them. And, and he said, sure, we can do that. Well, it turns out that this, this professor, uh, who is Jewish by family and background, uh, consider himself a post-atheist. Post-atheist. What? Okay. okay. Yeah, take a get. What do you think? 
What could that mean? Well, he was an atheist and now he's a believer. He's Catholic. Ooh, I like that. That's what I thought. That's what I was thinking, too. <laughs> wow, you know, that's really good. Now, what he meant was, not only do I not believe in God, but I don't even think whether or not to believe in God is a legitimate question to think about. <laughs> okay. It's, like, it's just totally so, irrelevant. So is this a nihilist at this point? I don't know so what that is. So much for our philosophy yeah, background. Right. Nihilist. Maybe a nihilist, right. But, I mean, again, brilliant man, yeah. extremely you know, accomplished intellectually, but that was his position. And that came out because he heard that I was a Christian. Uh, so here we are studying Buddhism, right? And he's Jewish, post-atheist. I'm evangelical Christian. And he starts, after 15 minutes of Buddhism, our weekly meetings start to become argument sessions where he's trying to deconvert me and I'm trying to convert him. I mean, he brought it up, right? So he'd be a great Christian. Let's get him in. You know? <laughs> so we would just go back and forth and argue. And, you know, he's saying, yeah, he would say all kinds of, you're, you're too smart to be a Christian. Those people are, come on, you got to, you know, grow out of that. And, and I would just defend the faith and say, you know, come on in. Uh, and at one point, and this was the first opening to Catholicism. This caused me to think, gosh, maybe there's more to the Catholic Church than I thought. So we're having one of those discussions, and he gets exasperated. And he says to me, look, if you have to be religious, which you shouldn't, there's only two real religions in the world. There's Judaism and there's Roman Catholicism. Wow. And you're not Jewish. <laughs> and then he starts criticizing, you know, the church I'm going to. So that's not religion. That's everyone gathers with Pastor Wald. They sing some songs. That's not religion. Now, Roman Catholicism, that's religion. There's history. There's liturgy. There's mystery. You should be Catholic. You gotta be bad. Be Catholic bad. So the Holy Spirit basically infused this post-atheist at that moment. That is so cool. I mean, you know, it was God has strange ways sometimes. I think you know to to reach. But I remember walking back to my dormitory that night after meeting with him, just kind of almost like dizzy, like. What is this happened? guy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is, this guy has nothing to gain from me becoming Catholic. He doesn't even believe in God. He's one of the smartest and most well-educated men I've ever met. And he's telling me the Catholics have it right. That is It made a huge amazing. impression on me. I said, okay, well, <gasps> let me, all right, <laughs> maybe I should look more into that, right? So then my junior year, I went overseas. We had campuses overseas, and we were encouraged to have an experience in another culture. So for some reason, I chose Italy and Poland. To very Gee, Catholic hmm. cultures, right? Let's think about that. Wait, wait, you chose? You I, chose yeah, these? somebody chose, right? I mean, I'm not Italian. I have no Italian background. I'm not Polish. You know, Czech. I'm kind of Czech. But uh, anyway, so I, I spent that year, the first half of the year in, in Italy, I'm in Florence, Italy, and, and then the spring trimester in, in Poland, in Krakow, Poland. And that's the year where I encountered the Catholic Church uh, for real, mm -hmm. uh, myself. Not just what people said about it. But the history, the richness of it. I mean, I wasn't studying Catholic courses, but I was in the midst of these cultures and these mm -hmm. these people and these and these and studying the history and the art and it was all just just it was glowing with the power and the beauty of the Catholic faith. So that that year I really just fell in love with, with the Catholic Church. I came back from my senior year. I mean, there were many experiences during, you know, that year you can imagine. But I came back from my senior year, I knocked on our on there was a Catholic chaplain at Stanford, who was, you know, for the Catholic students, right? They had chaplains for everybody. Right. So I knocked on his door and I said, hey, uh, you know, uh, this happened to me. I explained my experience. I'd like to learn more. He said, okay. So I started meeting with him. And a year and a half later, I was confirmed. And literally, that even before I was confirmed, long before, I was still overseas. I, When I was falling in love with the church, 
that's when I, I received my call to the priesthood. Hmm. While I was Did still Did your father Protestant. know about any of this stuff? <laughs> he found out. He found uh, out yeah. eventually. When you put on a collar? Yeah. <laughs> well, here's an interesting story. So I when I when I finally decided it was time to be confirmed, I was I had already graduated. I moved back to Cleveland. I was teaching Western Civ in my old high school because I wanted to restudy Western Civ. Right. Because you know they hadn't told me about the Catholic Church, and that's been one of the engines that's, of civilization. That was yeah? the foundation. Of Huge. So. So I was I was teaching, and that's when I decided. You know, so I had been meeting with a priest back in Cleveland. And I said, "Okay, it's time." So it was December. I was going to be confirmed, and I invited my dad to come to the mass. And he said, oh, "Okay, yeah, sure." And and so afterwards, a couple nights afterwards, we were out at his house, kind of having a beer, cooking out. And and I said, "Dad," he hadn't said anything. To me. I said, "Dad, you know, what do you think about all this?" And he said, "Well, you know, if you, you know." you got to do it you got to do it you know but and then he said yeah i remember i remember those priests that used to come over to our house all the time and and he started telling me stories his dad who had who owned a clothing factory in cleveland bartuna clothes back in the 20s and 30s was a devout Catholic oh, wow. and a supporter of the diocese, and he would he would make the cassocks for the priests and the you know the habits for the oh, nuns. My gosh. And so my dad had, and he, my dad went to Catholic school and grade school, and I had never none of us ever knew any of this. Oh wow. my gosh! So there was this whole like chapter of my past that I didn't really hadn't really known about. Uh, so in the end, he uh, you know he he told me about that, and I think he was. You know, he didn't like the idea of me becoming a priest. That was a year and a half later is when I joined the seminary. I joined seminary in 1993. And I was yeah, ordained. you got yeah. that wrong when I introduced you. I was ordained in 2003, so <clears throat> 10 years in there. But uh, he wasn't. when I told him I was going to join the seminary, he wasn't very happy. Mm-hmm. He actually told me, I still remember the, the I took him out to dinner because I was going to soften the blow. You know, I went <laughs> out to Italian mm-hmm. restaurant and dad, yeah, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to join the seminary. And, and he... In the conversation at one point, he said, I can think of no bigger waste of a life than to be a celibate priest. Mm. So he was not very happy. Uh, but I used an argument against him that he had used to help us when we were growing up. He always said, to be happy, you have to follow your heart. Mm. And at one point, I just told him, Dad, I can't explain this to you, but I know I at least have to try it. If I don't, I mean, that's where my heart is, is, is pulling me. And if I don't do it, I'm always going to regret it. So he kind of accepted it. I even asked for his blessing before I left, and he kind of begrudgingly gave me his version of a blessing as I went off to the seminary. You know, as you tell your story, I can't help but think how we're so blessed that we believe in the communion of saints. Mm. You know, so, and there's a, this, a psalm that came to mind as you were talking to where David talks about the lines of my inheritance fall beautifully. And I was thinking about your inheritance that you didn't even know you had. It was hidden. But I bet your grandfather was praying for you all that time that you didn't even know it. Mm-hmm. And the generations before who had formed your grandfather, oh, sure. you know, and your father, he showed a lot of Christ-like behavior mm-hmm. in some mm-hmm. ways. I mean, I know obviously marriage didn't work out, but his dedication to you and to your sisters, you know, oh, yeah. it's just amazing to, to look and to mm-hmm. see the interweavings of mm-hmm. prayers, generational prayers and generational giftings that's come, that, that came down. Yeah. And you were blind to all of it. You didn't even yeah. know it was there. Well, isn't that, I mean, that's, that's so true. There's so much that's happening. Yeah. All the angels and all the saints and yeah. God's grace flowing through. And we see little bits and pieces. Yeah, yeah? glimpses. But there's so much happening yeah. all the time. And every once in a while you get those glimpses and you got to kind of seize them. 
and help him help it you know allow that to nourish your faith yeah. but yeah definitely i'm sure there's and you know he didn't i never got to know the whole story of why they stopped going mm-hmm. what happened i have my theories but he never really got into any of that um so i'll, I'll discover on the other side yeah you know, god willing yeah. so if i get there oh yeah. beautiful Beautiful. So you take that part of your faith journey, and then as we delved into it, obviously history, but there was another component. You were, I think, an actor for a little while in Chicago. You've written a lot. Why did you conceive of doing a better part? Because I think it's it's a lot of people don't know about it, and it was interesting. I met with Dan Burke privately over something, and we talked about develop, even further developing a prayer life. And I know you and Dan are personal friends, but Dan was like, well, if you're not using a better part as a part of your uh, morning prayer time you really need to because you bring the gospel then you bring like I call it history kind of explaining what's going on but the, what I find the beautiful part of this is you present a perspective from Christ that I've always wondered okay where in the world did you come up with that because it's really like Christ speaking directly to me and then there's a follow-up can you talk about why you wrote a better part and how it can really help us in our prayer journeys. I would love to. How much time do we have? We're going to have to do about three or four uh, shows. Yeah. Six minutes to the break, but yeah, then so, you can draw a breath and we'll go on. So the better part, I, there's there's two things I want to say, and then we'll see where it goes from okay. there. But answering your question directly, first of all, the better part was not my idea, even though it's been the most successful book of, of the, the dozen or so that I've written. Uh, it wasn't my idea. It came out of my vow of obedience. Mm-hmm. I was living in, I think I was living in New York at the time. I was stationed in New York. I was a fairly new priest. Like I was teaching uh, at our, we had a house of formation in New York. And I got an email from my superior, our superiors in Rome. We're an international order, the Legionaries right. of Christ. So, mm-hmm. And they said, hey, uh, we need you to, to work on a project here. And they explained the situation. One of the things that we do in my order, we really believe in uh, the call to holiness and to apostolate of all, all Catholics, Correct. Mm-hmm. lay people especially. You know, if the church is really going to transform society, lay people have to discover their call to be missionaries wherever God sends them, whatever God, all their gifts at the service of Christ's kingdom. So we have priests giving retreats and spiritual direction to lay people all over the world. And priests in very different parts of the world were running into the, a, a similar problem. The problem was that as these lay people were discovering Christ's love and beginning to respond to it, and they wanted to go deeper, they didn't have a lot of resources that could help them in their prayer life. The older resources were kind of from the 50s. The world was different back then. Mm. And the pace of life now and the background and what we know and what we don't know. So we needed some kind of a, a new resource that could help people take the next step and really... Actually, it's in, in the email I got, it says, this is the need, so we need a resource to do this. And by the way, it needs to be good for men and women, for beginners and advanced. Uh, and it needs to be ready by December such and such, you know, so get to work. So, what am I, so, okay. so, so I started working on it. And so it came out of the experience that a lot of our priests had had. We want a resource, and our spirituality is very gospel-centered. Mm-hmm. And this maybe goes into the second part of your question. This book, The Better Part, actually has all four Gospels completely inside of it. The text of the Gospels is inside of it. Mm. So you don't need your Bible in one hand and then your meditation book in the other. No, it's, and the whole point of the commentaries on, so it's divided up into 303 uh, little chapters, the all four Gospels, and each, each Gospel passage then has a commentary which follows the same form. 
And our spirituality is very much focused on Jesus is a real person. And if you just get to know him, you will fall in love with him and you will want to follow him. And that's when the Holy Spirit can do amazing things in your life and through your life. Mm -hmm. So this resource just helps you pray the Gospels. So you have the Gospel passage, then you have a commentary, Christ the Lord, commentary, Christ the Teacher, Christ the Friend, and Christ in my life. So that actually gives different angles hmm. on this inexhaustibly rich personality of Jesus Christ. As Lord, he's my king, he's my savior, I want to follow him. And then as teacher, he's always revealing the truth about the world, about God, about me and myself, uh, and about how to be happy. And then as my friend, he has a real heart, he's a real human being, and I can get to know him. And then the Christ in my life section helps me respond so that you're actually praying. You're listening and then responding. So that's kind of the background of the book, the that's better nice. part. And how long has it been out now? Well, I think the first edition was published in 2007. Okay. It's so from, you, like it's 11th edition or something. Yeah. Like so 11th edition. Do you have some examples of how people have responded to the book? Oh, yeah. I was just out uh, visiting one of our communities in California just over Thanksgiving uh, that might be dating a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> and uh, I'm not sure when this is going to air. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, and I was talking to an old friend there who I met maybe 10 years ago, uh, and and he said he was telling me how yeah me and my wife we've been using the better part every morning, every day for the last 10 years, uh, and, and and he was just saying how you know once because they went on a retreat and we kind of got them jump started and then yep. they took and he said because the gospel's there it's always fresh it's always new so and he was just talking about and that's the experience I've had a lot of people they find it it's it's very practical but it's also substantial mm -hmm. and it helps you not just understand but pray. And if you're always praying, you're always going to be growing. And that's where that, you give space for the Holy Spirit to work. I jotted down a note uh, as listening to your entire story and especially the book now. It's like it feels like, well, I guess I know that the grace is always present. God is desires to, out, to pour that grace out in your life, in the book. I think there's a lot of people who receive sacraments and, and it's good. And that's what we do. And they're good, devout people. But we lose track of the fact that the minute that sacrament happens, Grace is present, right? And just listening to your story and, and, and imagining how this happens, the grace is there. God's just waiting for us to open up and in it pours. Yeah, and yeah. See, it feels like your, your life is a story of that. Yeah, I think all of our lives in a certain sense are. But you're yes. right. That's, I mean, we're giving, I'm giving the highlights, you know, here as we're <laughs> summarizing. <laughs> but you're right. You know, he, he's eager. He's, he's looking for just the Taking smallest. For us. Yeah. yeah, he's looking for the smallest opening. I'm going to send some grace in there. Yeah. That's been my experience. Sounds like it's been yours as well. Now, it's an amazing story. And for you that are joining us here in the family room, we've been talking with Father John Bartunik, a legionary of Christ here in Atlanta. And we're going to come back after the break and continue our interview with him, talking about a better part and talking about spiritual but not religious. So please come on back after the break. We'll be right back inside the family room in moments. Sponsored by Versprite on the Quest. In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support. The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes. Healthcare providers should care about health, right? Why then has Planned Parenthood's actual women's health care services dropped over 72% in the last 10 years? Abortion is not health care. Abortion kills. Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion provider in the United States. 
with 700 abortion facilities, and in the 2019 fiscal year, they ended 345,672 innocent American lives. This is an increase of 13,000 in the last year and 25,000 over the last two years. To put that in context, that is about half the population of Washington, D.C. Why then does the United States government continue to send the millions of taxpayer dollars in funding and grants year after year? If we don't stop them, no one will. Let's love God by loving life. Show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. Here at The Quest, we often hear how our programs touch hearts and change lives. Now more than ever, people need to hear the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. As a 100% listener-supported station, The Quest relies on monthly donations to stay on the air. Please consider making a monthly donation to The Quest and help us continue to provide inspiring Catholic programming. Monthly donors are the lifeblood of the station. Visit thequestatlanta.com to donate. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is AJ with The Quest. Did you know that we are on a mission to invite, inform, and inspire listeners like you? We want you to embrace your journey and take one step closer to God by not only listening, but engaging with us. In fact, we could use your help with making this vision a reality. I ask you to prayerfully consider joining us as a missionary to help with volunteer tasks at our studio in Roswell, Georgia. If you feel called to help and would like to learn more, please send us an email at info at thequestatlanta.com. Does your parish, charitable organization, or ministry have an upcoming event that you'd like to promote? Advertise it on AM 1160, the Quest Community Calendar. It's easy and there's never a fee. Just visit thequestatlanta.com, click on events, and submit your activity or event. Enhance the success of your community outreach event. Take advantage of the Quest Atlanta's complimentary community calendar and gain more exposure to the Metro Faith community. Submit your event at thequestatlanta.com today. St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in Scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on thequestatlanta.com. Welcome back to The Family Room with Mari, John, and Craig, sponsored by Versprite on AM 1160 The Quest. We have been talking with Father John Bartunek, and we just got to hear an amazing, beautiful story of how God touched him, um, reached him at a pretty young age, and drew him closer to him through all kinds of amazing experiences. And he also shared with us more insights, um, the, both the origination of why and how he wrote the book, The Better Part, but then also how it's been used. And I know that several of you guys have used it before. I know a lot of men's groups. I've noticed at my church, a lot of men's groups have used it. But we were talking with Father John Bartunek, and um, he, he's got another book out that we'll be di- diving into shortly here called Spiritual But Not Religious. But before that, John. Oh, we've got to have the tradition. Yes. We must enforce the tradition. Yes. And the tradition is this, Father John, everybody who visits shares with us after our first break their favorite family room memory. So that can be a family room memory from Cleveland growing up, or maybe it can be from a common room. So, um, sounds like it was in Dad said, you can't go to church anymore. Yeah, I, I, I was not. <laughs> not my favorite, but it turned out well. I was not going to like corral him like that, but so wherever you would like to take us on favorite family room memory. Well, it's so funny that you mentioned that because my favorite family room memory happened in the same room, mm. but it was years later. That same room where my dad was waiting for me when I came back from choir and he forbade me from going. And I never made that connection till just now when you said that. So um, 
my dad, my two sisters uh, and I, we kind of spread all over, right? So my dad stayed in Cleveland. One sister moved to Australia, another to Los Angeles. I joined a religious order. So when my dad, towards the end of his life, he died a few years ago. And towards the end of his life, he started having some health problems. And so he had heart surgery and he was all alone. So I... I said, yeah, gosh, I probably, I'd like to be able to check in on him a little more frequently. Mm-hmm. You know, as a member of a religious order, you have, you know, you can't just go home whenever you want. You know, you've got, got some obligations and things. And so I asked for permission to visit him every six weeks or so, mm-hmm. um, just to see how I was going to recover from his surgery and whatever he might need. And, and I thought for sure this was going to be the time when God uses me to convert him. You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm going to convert my dad. You know, this is it. It's all God's providence, right? So I started bringing it all up, you know, my first visits. And every time I would bring up, you know, prayer or faith or anything, his eyes would just glaze over. He just had no reference points. He didn't want to talk about it. He was happy that I was visiting him. So I was kind of frustrated, but I just, in the end, I was kind of forced. I just turned it over to God. I said, okay, God, you're going to have to take care of his soul. I'm just going to enjoy being with my dad Mm. for as long as you get me. Uh, And that was really a grace. So from that moment on, uh, we started to really develop a friendship, a real friendship. And and it was interesting. I mean, I could talk a lot about it, but it was interesting since he didn't understand my vocation mm-hmm. and even my work. Uh, he had no expectations from me. Now, as a priest and religious, you live, you interact with people and there's a lot of expectations. Yeah. 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 And that's something we have to navigate in our own spiritual life. But he had no expectations. It was just, I'm his son and we're just going to enjoy being together. And we just started loving spending time together. Uh, so I would look forward to those visits and he would look forward to it. And, you know, we would just, we would play games. We'd play golf when he could play golf. We'd, you know, watch a movie. We'd have some great dinners. And we just, it was just a a, a real blessed time. Almost probably about five years as he, as his wow. health was declining. And, and he was, he was still living on his own and till the very end, the very end, he, he, uh, he ended up dying of, uh, non-alcoholic liver cirrhosis that was the mm. so towards the end but, but it hadn't been diagnosed uh, he didn't want to go to the doctor I could just tell that you know so and there were some friends I had who would look in on him when I wasn't there but the end uh, last few weeks of his life I came back I was actually living in Rome at the time and in Holy Week uh, I came back because he had had a fall and he hadn't been able to get up and they had brought him to the hospital and he got his diagnosis and so I came home and spent some time with him and I remember uh, Saturday before Easter Sunday, we're in the living room. And at this point, I know that he's Catholic and he had received First Communion, right? So I had found that out. So uh, I said, Dad, on Saturday night, I said, Dad, would you, um, would you like to have Mass tomorrow? Because it's Easter Sunday. I, c- I could do it right here wow. in the living room, the family room. We only had one, you know. This, it doubled up, living and family room. <laughs> yes, and he said, uh, and I was kind of, I had to kind of screw up my courage to ask him that. And, and he yeah. kind of, he said, because he had never come, he had never visited me in seminary, didn't come to me when I, didn't come to my ordination, hadn't come and seen me minister or anything. So, so he said, okay. So we had mass right there in the living room. Uh, and there's a big window kind of looking east, so the sun's coming up, and we had mass. And I gave him a very personalized homily, you know, you can imagine. Oh. Uh, and at the end, uh, he he said, gosh, you know, that was really beautiful. So the week after Easter, and he's now he's steadily getting worse. You can see, they gave him, they gave him like three months to live. He's steadily getting worse. Um, 
And so I'm spending more time, and there's all kinds of uncertainty if you've ever had to care for a parent. Mm -hmm. you know? yeah. And it was hard. So the Saturday before Divine Mercy Sunday comes along, and uh, I go, I say to him, you know, Saturday night, hey, Dad, tomorrow's Sunday. Would, would, you, uh, would you like to have Mass again? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, yeah, yeah, that'd be good. And I said, would you like to receive Holy Communion? And he said, uh, can I do that? I said, well, you know, if you confess your sins, you can receive Holy Communion. And he said, let's just have Mass. <laughs> just like that. Just like that. Push it. It's like, yeah. You know, and uh, so we had Mass again. And, and this time in the same family room, and but over the, I celebrated it kind of on the mantelpiece over the fireplace. That's where I kind of set up the little altar. And there was a big painting there that he had had in his childhood in his family room when uh. he was growing up. And he loved that painting. It reminded him of his childhood. And so he's looking at, you know, my back is to him. He's looking. And while, when I started the Our Father, he joined in. Mm -hmm. And this was the first time I had ever heard him pray the Our Father. I could barely finish the Mass. I was so moved. So, Making me tear up over here. Yeah. Wow. I was very That's beautiful. You know, so, so we had another. And then, so, but he, you know, he hadn't received communion. So I was kind of hoping that maybe, so the next week, and he's getting worse. So the third week after Easter, and he's just getting worse, and my sister comes into town, and um, we just know it's probably a matter of days, really. Uh, he wanted to die at home, so we had the help of some hospice, and so Saturday rolls around. He's already starting some pain medication, and you know, that's, that's you know, you, mm -hmm. you don't know how, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to, but he's still coherent, and uh, so I asked him, I said, hey, tomorrow's tomorrow's Sunday would you, would you like to have mass <laughs> I woke him up actually to give him his pain medication around 11 o'clock at night and, and he said yeah he's in pain you can tell he said yeah I'm gonna have mass and I, said, and I said again would you uh, would you like to receive Holy Communion and he said well I, I don't think I can do that I said well if you go to confession you can do it and your son's a priest <laughs> so, Just by the way right here it's a package and, deal yeah he, he said okay oh. <laughs> what a gift so there we were, and I was so happy. I bet. Can't imagine. So I went to bed so happy. My sister stayed up with him, and she comes in. I was, I was so looking forward, you know, next morning, and she comes in around 3, 30, 4 o'clock in the morning, and she wakes me up, and he said, I think Dad just passed away. Oh. And he had. Wow. Oh. So the last conversation oh. I had with my dad, wow. I was able to administer God's mercy to him. Wow. In that family room. Mm. That's where? probably the most dramatic family. We're, we're all sitting there with our eyes, <laughs> yeah, eyes beating up. That was yeah, the most dramatic family. We're going to have that, that tradition right there. Oh, right. my gosh. All of us you, know what I, you know what I love, though? It, 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 the, the beauty part of it is and it, so often in the family room, we talk about, all right, how do we engage people in conversation over, we talk to a guest about the transgender thing or about, you know, divorce, whatever it is. And you lived it, though. As a priest, you could have focused so much on, I need to convert him, I need to preach to him. Mm. But your decision was, I'm just going to be his friend. I'm going to love him. Mm -hmm. We're going to sit together in love, which brought him by, again, John mentioned God's grace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the other thing is, it's your openness. And even when you were yeah. younger, it's your openness to God that's like, yeah. okay, this is exciting. Well, God just, you said it earlier, God only needs a small crack in the yeah, door yeah. and boom, the, the light comes mm -hmm. shining in. And mm -hmm. I mean, 
Yeah, I we think. might need to take a break from the break because I think we need to clear out our eyes. We need to, <laughs> that was okay, a beautiful, tissues. beautiful story. Here's a tissue yeah, for no, you. thank you. I need that. <laughs> I thought of I thought of two things. One was I thought about the fact that um, a friend many years ago said to me when I said, "What does it mean to witness?" I don't understand this whole witness thing because I'd heard evangelicals talk about witnessing, and I said, "I don't know how to do that. What does that mean?" And they said, "He said to me, he said, here's what it means. It means make a friend." be a friend to that person and then bring that friend closer to Christ. Mm -hmm. And you were his son, but you were his friend Mm -hmm. and you brought him closer to Christ. And then you write to the very, into the very hands of Jesus you gave him. And it was just so incredibly beautiful. And I just forgot the other thing I thought of. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Take a tissue break. I know. I need to take a tissue break. But I think I reminded again, and, and maybe I'm just biased as a Catholic, but he received first communion. Right. He had the grace was there. He received sacraments. He was disposed to receive you by God's grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and yeah. you just made it re- you made it available again. Well, I think for me, it was uh, I'll say it was a grace in both directions. Yeah. And I think I, re- I am a firm believer that only God can truly multitask. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of us, we switch, maybe quickly switch tasks, but but he can do. And he was doing he was working in my dad. Yeah. Through me, and he was working in me. Yes, I mean, that was. experience of being with my dad and with no expectations, just like enjoying how much he just enjoyed being with me and how much he loved me just because I was his son, yeah. that changed my own prayer life, my own understanding. So you of, could understand God's relationship with exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. It, changed, it changed my way of relating to God because it was a new experience of unconditional love that I had never had before. Yeah. And just the enjoyment of another person. with whom you had such a deep connection, father, son, right? So it was a real gift for me. And even, you know, even at the end, I I think, I think maybe it was as much a gift for me to be able to administer, you know, God's mercy at the end as it was for him. In a sense, I think he was, he might've already been reconciled with God at that point. Um, But to, to be able to kind of close the deal with the sacrament in a sense uh, for me, it was just, it was a sign of God's faithfulness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What came up in my prayer the months afterwards, like for months afterwards, as we're taking care of his estate, and every morning when I would go to my hour in prayer, it was the same thing would come up. God would say, hey, I'm doing that all the time. Mm-hmm. I, let, I gave you a glimpse, mm-hmm. but I'm doing that all the time. So just trust me. Yeah. Just keep trusting me. I'm doing that all the time. I thought of the other thing I was thinking about. I was thinking about our listeners and I was thinking about all of those who enter into the family rooms of their childhood homes and feel as if their parents don't really understand them Mm. and don't understand their vocation. They don't understand what do they do for a living and and how do I connect this person who has a totally different life than I do and I'm living a different life. And I think you've given us just a beautiful portrait of that, right? Just be a friend. Just enjoy who they are. Kind of like God enjoys us. You know, the scripture, he delights in us. He delights Mm -hmm. in us. I think we forget to just delight in each other. Mm -hmm. We each have an agenda or we want to be understood or we want to be known. Well, just delight in each other. And then God just, and then trust God and trust God will enter into that relationship and Mm -hmm. he will give you what you need. And he gave you what you needed. I mean, I do think about what you said as far as that same family room where you probably experienced maybe most of the, more of the pain than mm-hmm. ever, 
um, when your dad said that to you the first time about, you know, don't go to church and all of that, you threw yourself on the bed, and yet God brought you back, both of you back to that same, I'm going to start crying. <laughs> so so, let, so oh. we came here, we, we asked Father John to join us to talk about two books. Yeah. And I was going to go to a book analogy for a second. Any good author will have a foreword by somebody credible. And I've just listened, I think, to your foreword to both of the books, Father mm -hmm. John. Your yeah. foreword was written by God, mm. right? He just, we we have just gotten a glimpse. Okay, so listeners, if if you haven't read the books, I have not. Um, I heard the foreword, and I'm very interested. <laughs> so how do, so let's talk about that a little bit, yeah? So yeah. which one would you like to talk about first? We talked a little bit about the better part. What about spiritual but not um, religious. religious. Yeah, we can talk about that. You know, I, I really like that, the foreword. You're right, in a sense, I mean, the, my writing, both of these books and, and all the other ones and, you know, anything I do as a priest, it, it comes out of my experience of God. That's where it all starts. You, you were mentioning witness. Mm -hmm. And you be, you be a yeah. friend to someone, uh, and then you bring them a step closer to Christ. For me, the best way to, to be a witness is simply, if you really are, if you care about the person, you're going to want to share with them what God has shared with you. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes very natural and it doesn't have to be forced. Um, and that's been my experience in these books. I mean, the better part, I had a, a, a hard deadline, as I mentioned. <laughs> so I was like seven hours a day writing this book for uh, like four months straight. And it was at the time... 2006, 2007, I had been a priest for three or four years, and I had been in, I had been seminary for 10 years, and I felt like God was just saying, okay, everything that I've given you over the last 15 years, share it. Mm. Share it. Put it. Write it down. Before we get deep, deep into that, let's just remind everybody that, folks, you're, if, you're, if you're just joining us, you're in the family room. Uh, we're talking to Father John Bartunic, and we're talking about some really great books uh, for which the forward was written by God. And, and if you don't understand what that means, you got to go back and listen to the podcast. Okay. Yeah. So the better part uh, was really sharing my experience of Christ and then spiritual, but not religious uh, came out of, um, it actually came out of a fundraiser. <laughs> I was living in Michigan and we were doing a, a fundraiser and, and the superior of my community said, all right, we're doing this fundraiser and all of you have to offer something at the auction. So think about something. You got to offer something. So, you know, Father Thomas says, well, I'll offer, I'll come over and make dinner for your family, you know, this uh -huh. type of thing, right? So and I was thinking, well, what can I offer? I mean, I, you know, I don't have time to do it. Well, they have a really good museum in Detroit. So I said, well, I'll offer a uh, spiritual and religious tour of the Detroit Museum or Institute of Arts. So somebody bought at the auction. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then you had to create it. Well, I mentioned that my own journey of faith to the Catholic faith and falling in love with the church happened, started when I was in Italy, my junior year of college. And one of the big influences there was I was studying art history as part of my history studies. And the beauty of the mm -hmm. art mm -hmm. captivated me, changed the, changed the direction of my life. It was so powerful the, going into those churches gazing at those paintings, just standing in front of the sculptures. It really, it just woke up parts of my soul that I didn't even know I had. It was mm -hmm. like I was coming alive in a new way. And that's been a theme. That's been a motif in my own journey, the beauty of art. So when I had, when I was a seminary in Rome, I used to give tours to people, pilgrims who would come and, you know, and explain the art. And I, I knew I could do a tour like that. I had done similar tours. So we, they, about 12 people came on this tour. Uh, in the Detroit Institute of Art. And I took them through. I took them through works of art related to all the different religions of the world. 
and how they expressed some of the religious restlessness. Like any, any true work of art is spiritual. Any beautiful work of art is spiritual because it moves us at a transcendent level, right? Mm -hmm. Not just at a material and practical level. It moves us at a deeper level, right? So I was trying to explain this, and, and they were really engaged, asking tons of questions. Uh, and they, oh, wow, this is so interesting. You know, I, never made, I never really thought about that. So it wasn't really a catechesis, and it wasn't even just a presentation of Christian art. It was, hey, we're made to experience truth, goodness, and beauty. Right. Yeah. And we feel most alive when we are. And that's a spiritual experience. And that can be the first step towards the full spiritual experience, which is the religion that's been revealed by God. So this tour was so, I was just so um, moved by how, how, how the response of, of the people who were on the tour. And then I did another one of those tours and I started thinking, you know, maybe, maybe I could put this into book form so more people can have this experience. So I was thinking about people who would say, and I was hearing this phrase over and over again. I don't know, you're probably hearing it every once in a while. I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Right? Mm. I mean, I, I was oh, hearing what? it. I feel lot. like that was predominant, especially on the West Coast. Cause I, oh yeah. Right. Exactly. It's, yeah. And it's more and more present, you know? Yeah. So you, you have this, divorce between spiritual mm -hmm. and religious, yep. mm -hmm. which is false. It doesn't need to be that way. But if they say they're spiritual, then they've had some kind of a spiritual experience. So let's start there and let's help them unpack that. Yeah. And let's help them discover what that really means and help them ask the next question so that that spiritual experience can become a step towards a relationship with their creator and their redeemer. So I wrote this book, Spiritual But Not Religious, with that in mind. Not bashing people who say that, mm -hmm. uh, but simply say, oh, let's start there. What does that really mean? Because mm -hmm. I've had a spiritual experience too. Finding that common ground. Yeah. And why do you think that religion is not spiritual? Let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times people have had a bad experience right. yeah. in religion. religion. Yeah. Right. It wasn't a spiritual experience. So the book explores all those themes, but from a, from a very conversational point of view an intelligent conversational point of view. Uh, so it's a really good book. If you want to, to know how to think about that and how to engage in dialogue with people about that, um, read this book and you'll kind of, it'll, it'll give you a vocabulary so you can have a fruitful interaction. Or if you know someone uh, who's very thoughtful and would say that, you can give this to them because this is meeting them there and saying, uh, tell me about your spiritual experience. Let me tell you about mine. Let's talk about what that really means. So that's kind of the background of spiritual but not religious. So again, you keep talking about themes that keep coming up oftentimes about, I'm not here to correct, I'm not here to say, well, you can't be spiritual, you have to be religious. It's, it, it's again, living with people right where they are and asking legitimate questions of, well, why? Let me get to know you better to understand you because I got to believe when I pray, God's asking me those questions in his own right. And kind of going, well, why do you really think that, Craig? Why do you think that about yourself? I didn't tell you that's a truth about you. Um, why do you think that about Mari or John? I mean, God wants to open us up by asking us the same questions so you really think and go, well, you're right. I'm, I'm mad at religion because of this. But that may that, 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 that may not be a reason not to love religion, right? I mean, that may be I'm not mad at that priest or, you know, this bad experience. And I love the idea of, again, having relationship. Mm -hmm. asking questions, having conversation, and just living with people. Uh, my, my ADD kicked in when you said it. The three components that everybody wants are truth, beauty, and goodness. Goodness, all right? And our world lacks a lot of that today. 
But that's what, as Catholics, we need to keep introducing to people, right? Truth. Yes. Goodness. And, and beauty. Beauty. And yeah. but but we're not creating truth, goodness, or beauty. Right. I think just like grace, it's there. Mm-hmm. What you what you were able to do in in the in those tours and ultimately the book is to say, look around you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We yeah. talked about it this morning in our reading. Right. Where the disciples of John the Baptist go to John the Baptist and 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 ask him, you know. Or ask Jesus, you know, who are you? And he says, look around, you know, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. It's all around us. It's like the words you use, Father, you said, God said, you hate say, hey, I do this all day, every day. I do it all day, every day. Check it out. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Yeah. Yeah. James 4, 8. Exactly. That's great. So it's powerful. It's very powerful. We have uh, like three minutes left. I think I feel like we need three more hours. <laughs> I know, I know. You know, so thinking about that, Father, are there things that you want people to know, either about the experience of reading these books or anything else you want folks to know in these last few minutes that we have together? Well, even if you don't get that book, Spiritual But Not Religious, I want to give you a line that you can say to someone when they say that mm-hmm. and you feel like you want to get defensive or start attacking or dismiss them. <laughs> If you hear that line, hey, I'm spiritual, but no, I'm not religious, and you just, your claws go out, or you just want to leave the room, instead, say this, wow, I'd love to hear about your spiritual experience. Tell me about Mm. it. And see what happens. And be sincere. If they've experienced the true and the good and the beautiful, then you can be enriched by hearing their experience. So I would say that to that. And then, I mean, there's a lot of other things I'd love to say, but... I think this has been a, a really good conversation. It feels like I it to me. It. Yeah. I, I hope our listeners uh, feel the same way. Yeah. It's been powerful. And thank you for sharing. all. Yeah, that. I think we've been blessed to be able to introduce you to our listeners. And I think we would. We would love to have you come back. And I know that one of the things that God's put on your heart is to be able to answer questions that people have. Yeah, and, I would love to you do know, that. And yeah. as people have heard your heart and they've heard your journey, I think that they would be more open to hearing what you, you know, what you could share. Um, yeah. about the, the deep questions that they have. Looking at our producer, Dave, over there, who's like, what in the world is he going to say next? Because they never know what comes out of my mouth. Uh, <laughs> That's why you, we love you. <laughs> as you listen to the show and as you listen to the podcast, we're going to put a note in there on how you can submit questions. They're going to come to the studio. We'll go through them, and then we'll work out timing when we can bring Father together. And we'll give you a heads up so you know what when to listen but we want to hear your questions. You know, we keep bringing ideas up, but what's on your mind? What are yeah, you really thinking about? And what comments do you have on what you've heard from Father or any of our other guests that then Father may be able to talk even more about, even though it wasn't his interview? He may have an insight based on your questions. So, Father, we only have a few seconds left, but we would love for you to close us in prayer. Sure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of this day. We thank you for the gift of our faith that we share. Thank you for bringing us together, for all those who've listened to us. We ask your blessing upon us, upon them, upon this ministry, this apostolate. The Lord be with you and with with your your spirit. spirit. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you, Father Bartunek. And thank you, listeners, for joining us here in the family room, where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families. Thanks for hanging out with us in the family room. Sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com.